0: Hello and welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Erji Pongo, and my calling is to explore movement and identity as they relate to body image and self-image. On this podcast, we share transformational stories from people in the field of movement science. We have conversations about healing and strengthening, plus we connect with people who have unique relationships with their bodies. If you're interested in discovering how movement science can impact your relationship with your body, we invite you to book a free consultation with Pongo Power Personal Training. Pongo Power will provide you with a complimentary movement analysis and goal setting session. Through understanding how our bodies move, our lives are transformed. Well, here we are. And this is the show. Welcome to Movement, the Science of the Self. I'm your host, Erji Pongo, founder of Pongo Power. And I am so delighted to welcome my guest today, Jonathan Goldstein. Welcome, Johnny. Hey, how's it going, Erish? <laughs> It's so nice to see you virtually and hear you on this podcast,
1: Johnny. Always fun to talk to Ergy.
0: Yeah, Ergy Bet, my Hungarian nickname, Ergy yeah, Bet. I mean,
1: you were going by Ergy when I met you, so that's what's like locked into my brain, right? But other people, I'm sure, call you other delightful things.
0: Oh, they sure do. Lots <laughs> of delightful things. many delightful things. So Johnny, welcome to movement, the science of the self. What brings you to the show today? Well, you
1: invited me. It was, um, that was the, that was the impetus, but I mean, we could talk about a lot of things, but, um, this is a podcast largely about health and, um, you know, feeling better and, um, so I've had a really, uh, intense health situation over the last, I don't know, year. And, uh, I did a, I'm, well, I'm in the process of writing a graphic novel about my experience. So we could talk about that. Um, and we could talk about a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. So, well, so- We go, let's tell people how we know each other and stuff. So I met you at a, uh um, bar in I think in Brooklyn and it was an open mic and we were both like aspiring comedians and and you know we we're just going there to work out material and we both were kind of like I'd like to create my own show but I don't want to do it by myself and we met each other and we were like let's do something.
0: And and hence the Ergie and Johnny show was born. That's right.
1: And this was a show in the and most, mostly in the West village in New York city where it, it was basically an open mic for comedians, but we had some bells and whistles. We had like an a, a audio synthesizer and um, you know, we had two hosts instead of one host and um, it was super fun. I really enjoyed it.
0: We enjoyed interacting with the comics of the sound uh, system had the gong, like you know, reminiscent of comedy from the nineteen I don't know sixties. Yeah, we had
1: all the sounds. We had the boing, yeah.
0: and we thought it was hilarious interacting with those comics while they delivered their jokes. But yeah, they... that was
1: fun. And you know, some of the people were very funny, and some of them weren't. And some of the funny people weren't always funny because they're working out new material. Um, but it was it was a good time. So yeah. we did that for like how long a year, two years?
0: I think we did it for about 2 years. I think yeah. it was like 2004 through 2006.
1: Yeah. And then I got married and you were our fake rabbi.
0: I was your wedding officiant in you're Central our, Park. You were your
1: wedding officiant. <laughs> and it was a suit it was sort of a Jewish wedding and Ergy was kind of uh, fulfilled that uh, rabbinical or ministerial role. And everyone was like, who is that hot redheaded rabbi?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I grew up in Great Neck. So, exactly. I, so I was a, a rabbi God. by association,
1: right? basically. So, so um, anyway, so that's, that's how we know each other. Just a little backstory for people. And um, yeah, so, okay. So do you want me to just tell my health story and then... You know how well, I end up doing the comic, or what do you want to do?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So basically, Johnny, your body has been through an incredible transformation in the last, what is <laughs> it now? That. Is it two years now? When did, really, I mean,
1: the story begins? The, the, my, okay. So let's, let me just go into it. So basically, I was diagnosed with colon cancer almost exactly a year ago. However, obviously I had colon cancer before this. I just didn't know it. And I was having a lot of health problems, you know, in the, I would say six months before, you know, I was actually diagnosed with it. Um, so, uh, colon cancer is very common and it's not good. Like it can definitely kill you, but there's worse cancers out there that, spread really quickly and are, are even worse, but colon cancer is a big deal. And it's one of the, I forget the statistics, but it's one of the cancers that is the leading cause of of death by cancer. And, you know, once you are diagnosed with it, you start like reading, you know, you just start noticing it. Like I read this great novel and then, Oh, I'm going to read the little thing about the author. And like, author died two years ago from colon cancer. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. So it's very common. Uh, and I, um, you know, I was in my, I'm in my early fifties. And when you're around 50, they recommend, um, that you get a colonoscopy and if your insurance will pay for it, if you want to pay for it, they even recommend you do it earlier. If you can like 45, so anyway, um, it was getting to be around that time, but it was I went to see the doctor, and, you know, for a checkup, and he's like, "Okay, you should have you had a colonoscopy?" Yet? No, okay, you should go in." Cool. At the same time, this was like March two years ago, early March, and I was like, "Hey, doctor, um what do you think all about all this COVID stuff?" You know, because it it was just out there Hadn't really You know, it was like you're reading about it in Asia and Europe and it hadn't You know, New York City would shut down a couple of weeks Later, three weeks later, but um, It it still Hadn't, you know, turned into This huge thing yet But obviously there were clouds On the horizon And he was like I wouldn't worry about it It's no big deal (laughs) And I was like Okay, well, I'm gonna I was obsessively listening to podcasts about COVID. There's this great podcast uh, called This Week in Virology that I was like super hooked on because these guys really know what they're talking about. And um, and I had an inkling that it was gonna be pretty bad. And in fact, I was sitting on my couch when school shut down because I have a kid and she's like, How long do you think this is gonna last, Daddy? And I said, two years. I don't know why, <laughs> and it seems like it, it is. Things are sort of getting back to normal for now. Two years later, but so anyway, I didn't want to go. A couple, you know, soon after that, it was like COVID lockdown. Everyone's freaking out, and I, I didn't want to go get a medical procedure done because I didn't want to be around anybody. Right. No. Okay. Well, my story is probably is a very common one. A lot of people delayed you know, preventative care, diagnostics, sure. all elective things too, uh, because yep. of COVID and probably a lot of, they're going to, you know, when they look back in the mortality statistics and health statistics, they're going to see a lot of people died from just not, you know, getting their, um, you know, their, uh, procedures or procedures done. Right. So I, um, and that was my situation. So then anyway, that was like March, two years ago. And then in the fall, I was like, my abdomen hurts. You know, I went back to see the doctor. Wow. What I had was similar to some other intestinal ailments, basically. And so the treatment was like um, antibiotics and, you know, and just drink fluids until you start, you know, your, your abdomen starts feeling better. And I was like, wow. okay, I did that. It did get better but then it got worse again. And this happened a few times. And then mm-hmm. you'll remember we were vacationing with you. And that was, that was December, right? It was like winter break, you know, right before new year's. Mm-hmm. And I was in one of these periods where I was feeling better and it was so great. Cause I could just mm-hmm. eat normal food and whatever. Meanwhile, I was losing a lot of weight because it was like liquid diet after liquid diet, you know, and then stopped mm-hmm. for a little while, but then, Okay. So um, that was great, but then, you know, it started came back. You know, went back to my doctor and said, "Hey, listen, I'm going to refer you to, uh, you know, gastroenterologist. You know, this is I've done what I can do. You need to get looked at by someone who really knows what they're doing." <laughs> so I, you know, about about this part of your body, right? Who's a specialist? So I went, I saw someone. He's like, "Okay, antibiotics, liquid diet." Oh my god! <laughs> and then, because he wanted to give me a colonoscopy, but he he couldn't until it became less inflamed. Wow. So it's like in a month, six weeks. You'll wow, come we'll do that. And so, like a few days before I was supposed to get uh, the um, colonoscopy, I, I called up his office and said, "Hey, I, you know, I, I'm. It's still feeling really bad. I don't. It's obviously inflamed." Um, I don't think we should have the colonoscopy. And he wasn't there when I called his office. And I'm like, can you get him a message like to call me? So he did. He called that night and um I told him what was going on. And he said, you know, you might want to really get thoroughly checked out at a hospital. And I was like, eh. uh uh-huh. Well, you know, when you go to a hospital, one thing Uh, can lead to another thing. And then it's like, uh, uh, okay, let me, let me sleep on it. Right. And then, yeah. My wife was sitting next to me we talked about it for like two minutes and we're like, yeah, you should get checked out. So then, (laughs) so then he's like, okay, I've got a guy. He's a really good surgeon in case necessary. He's a really good surgeon. Try and get him and go to this hospital out in Long Island where the surgeon was. I live in Queens in New York. So, um, so I checked myself into the ER and, um, You know, it was funny. I was dressed up really pretty nice. You know, I'm like, at least I can look good. So I went in there, and the woman, you know, at the desk where you check in and they direct you where to go was like, Are you a doctor here? (laughs) (laughs) Jewish, middle aged, um, you know, cocksure, you know, dressed kind of nice look. And, um, And so I'm like, no, I'm, I'm checking myself in the emergency room. She's like, oh, the emergency room is here. Go around there, down the car, corner, a couple <laughs> buildings away. And I, I got to it. I checked myself in. You know, they, uh, they, I was in there. I had all kinds of scans, all kinds of crazy, gross, you know, uh, medical diagnostic procedures. And something called a virtual colonoscopy, which is not really very virtual. <laughs> they basically inflate <laughs> you like a balloon. <laughs> Oi. Yeah. Oh so man. There, they're and like, the, the up, r- clench up or the tube will come out. Yeah, uh, it's, it was intense. So it uh, was it was embarrassing for everybody. So then um I, but they were like, uh. I did manage to get the doctor that my gastroenterologist wanted and he said, look, we can see from the scans, it's, there's a section of your um, colon that is super inflamed and we can't do a col- an actual colonoscopy on you. So we're going to operate and see what's going on there. and We're probably going to take out some of your colon. Luckily you have a lot of colon. So it's not like and he's like, you know, then we'll send it to a lab and we'll see wow. what's going on. So, I, and and it was for and he, he's like, I, you know, it was scheduled for like a week after I was discharged. I was in there for a few days, and I by this time I was, uh, I mean, my normal weight these days is about one hundred and seventy pounds, mm-hmm. and I was down to like one twenty nine. Whoa! Yeah, you lost was so like much some, weight. It was like some, you know famine footage from like save the children. It was just not
0: you, great. Your body could not process food because of well also cancer. I
1: just been the, the recommendation was be on a liquid wow. diet. A liquid diet does not have a lot of calories. But this was a, a real <laughs> rapid decrease. Insane rapid decrease. So um okay Whew. so then you know I I came back, I got the surgery And then when I came to, they were like, this was more complicated than we thought it was going to be because it was, you know, a chunk of my intestine, but also, you know, it was my, a chunk of my colon, but also it was some adjacent, uh, small intestine that was like inflamed that they took out. And also it had sort of was going into like my side, into the muscle. Wow! Yeah, Yeah. so
0: So at this
1: point, did they diagnose it? No, they 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 can't tell until lab. Wow! Oh, that's X Y Z cancer. Right? I'm sure they were like, "Okay, this guy's got cancer," but you know, they didn't. They didn't. um, You don't really know. It could have been some other weird inflammation thing, but I'm sure it had the hallmarks of cancer. So, like a week later, I get a call from the doctor who says, "Hey." you've got, can- you know, we sent it to the lab, it's called cancer. And, mm. uh, uh, yeah. So how, how did was you like, Oh, okay. So he's like, the good news is when they take something out, they take extra out. They call that the margins. They take mm-hmm. some healthy tissue out around it and they tested the margins and they did not see any cancer in that. Oh, mm. also it was in a few lymph nodes. Ooh, that's when it's it gets really dangerous. Because the lymphatic system all connects to other lymph nodes and stuff. Just it was yeah. in like a couple, but it would still, that's a, not great. Right. So he said, you know, basically you're going to, probably the treatment is chemo. It's pretty like, uh, this is very common. There's a common treatment for it and you're going to wow. get that. And he referred me to a guy, you know, um, who was part of the same medical systems, like a system of hospitals out there. And I went and, you know, the guy was nice, but I, I didn't like this long ride out to the hospital from Queens. Mm. Like when, mm. when you've had surgery, the roads, mm. in New york I don't know where the money is going in New York state, but it's not going into efficiently like paving the roads. They're very bumpy. <laughs> And it was just like I was getting jarred going out to the to you know the appointments. So I thought I want to switch it to um Manhattan. I can get into Manhattan really quickly from my part of Queens, just taking the subway or taking cab, whatever. So I, I but I didn't know how to do that. I've had very few medical problems in my life. I didn't know how, but luckily I have a friend who's a doctor. I called her. I'm like, hey, I want to switch. How do I do this? And she told me I did it. And it was fine. <laughs> and I actually got the guy who. You know, obviously with like healthcare, you want to like tap into your network and stuff like that. And I, you know, know people who have lived in New York City for uh, many, 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 many decades. Like my <laughs> uncle, who who used to live next to this Memorial Sloan Kettering guy, who asked the, that guy who would recommended, he recommended this guy, and I happened to get him. So he was my um, oncologist, basically. And... They, I started chemotherapy and chemo is weird and there are some weird side effects and stuff, but it wasn't horrible. Um, and I did it for a while and some, my weirdest symptoms were like, things felt really cold if I touched them and I couldn't drink carbonated beverages. If I drank cold cold beverages, if I did, like I had the sensation that my throat was closing up. It's not actually but it's just a weird side effect. You feel it and it's very unpleasant. So anyway, there's all kinds of other possible side effects, but I didn't have those. Uh, I wasn't super nauseous and stuff like that. My hair was not falling out, etc. cetera. So, but about a month later, I started having some pain again in my abdomen. And they were like, you know, after the surgery, or uh, this was actually two months after the surgery, I started the chemo a month after. And so I went back into the hospital and basically, let's see, they basically, you know, they did all these scans and stuff like that. And they concluded that where I had my operation stuff was leaking out of my colon into my head, which is not great. So it's good. I, went right in there Uh, they also were like and we you know it's still coronavirus was still a big thing and they um tested me and they're like you've got a coronavirus but it wasn't the coronavirus (laughs) it was a totally different one it was like the kind that gives you a cold but anyway they're (laughs) like okay but because you have a coronavirus you like get your own room and stuff I'm like okay great oh (laughs) very nice but it really you know basically what they did is they did a procedure on me where they stuck a tube in my side that mm. would like siphon off the goo that was leaking out of my colon. Oof. Super gross. So I had this tube going to like a bulb, you know, oh. like a bag that like, Yikes. a fat, you know, kind of thing that it would drain into and it, you know, it's better than dying. Right. But it wasn't, Fun and when I was in the hospital, when they were trying to figure out what was going, what was going on, and I, I think I, I had the tube put in me, but I was just miserable. Oh, they weren't letting me eat either. Oh. Whenever it's something that that has, especially that has to do with your gastrointestinal system, whenever you go into the hospital, they're like, uh, the for the medical phrase is nothing by mouth, which means you just <laughs> get fluids from IV. That's it. You can't drink even water. And meanwhile, I was, you know, 133 pounds or whatever I was at this point. So you know, it's they're like, nah, whatever. But like for the person suffering, it was really hard. And I was just, I had a moment where I was there, and I was listening to the soundtrack to the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou? I had my laptop (laughs) so I could, you know, stay connected and stuff. And they have the song that is like really sad. and It's like acoustics. <laughs> I'm a man of constant sorrow, you know. And um, I was just like started crying and it yeah. was just sucked. And, I, and one of the things that sucks when you're in this situation is like your lack of connection with your friends and your family. <laughs> and especially with COVID, this was elevated. They weren't just like letting lots of people in to visit or anything. And so, um, I'm like, I, I wanted people to know what was happening with me. And so I'm a, like a visual artist and a the storyteller. So I drew like a one panel comic and, uh, I took a just black line, you know, ink with whatever pen I had there. And I took a picture of it and I posted to Facebook and I wrote a post, like, I'm hating life here. Just want to let you know what's going on. And here's this comic that's expressing how I feel right now. And I got a lot of, you know, positive and sympathetic uh, response from it. And then I also had this really funny experience there where I was lying there. It's Memorial Sloan Kettering. And Memorial Sloan Kettering is, like, pretty deluxe, at least in my experience. Of Like a hotel. It's gorgeous. So kind
0: of. I mean, it's... it's-
1: it's still a hospital. There's still very unpleasant things about being there. But of course, of course, they, like the food is pretty good if they let mm-hmm. you eat, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> and I got a call at like noon on one of these days when I was not eating, I was feeling terrible, and I still wasn't being allowed to eat. I pick up the phone and they go, Hi, recreational services. And I'm like, What? <laughs> And they're like, yeah, we're recreational services. We try to make your time here more enjoyable. And I was, uh, like, how? <laughs> oh, we offer all kinds of activities and classes. And I'm like, like what? Painting <laughs> class that's really popular, <laughs> right from your bed. And I was like. I can always learn something from another artist, but I already am comfortable painting and drawing and stuff. So uh, she's like, Oh, you're an artist? That's great. Um, We display work by our patients who are artists here. And I was like, Oh, okay, (laughs) cool. And she's like, And um, would you like um, some art therapy? Uh Oh oh, yeah, I would love to. Have I could do therapy. therapy. I've, never, I've never done that before. And I do, it's so fun. Yeah. And like, sure. Um, and can I just, like, get some art supplies and not take a class? And she's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. No problem. Huh. So uh, I'm like, what else do you have? Do you have, She's, you have like, can someone come and bring me some musical instruments I can play? <laughs> not that I can play them well, but I would enjoy myself playing. I could play a Variety of things a little bit. She's like, maybe. I mean, we have a music therapist. They could come and visit you. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. So on this <laughs> one day, I had a social worker come and talk to me, which was great because obviously I had a lot to you know talk about. And then um who was who was next? Then the music therapist came and we just like jammed out. She brought all these instruments. She had a keyboard. And, it was <laughs> fun. and then. The art therapist came, and she's like, "Oh, you're an artist. That's great. Yeah, just do whatever you want." And we just like talked about her job and stuff like that. And wow, so and that was um, great. And it's great that they, someone in that organization, values that stuff enough for it to be part of what happens there. And I, I really doubt that's the case everywhere. There people oh, holding sure. you know, most hospitals just holding themselves together with duct tape, especially during COVID. <laughs> so um anyway, that's how the comic started. When I got home and I couldn't really do much for several months because I was still recovering from the surgery and I had this like tube sticking out of me, this bat, you know, this thing, and like <laughs> it was unclear how long I was gonna be in. So I had some time on my hands and I did about, I don't know, 25 pages of this comic. Mm. At the same time, I, I went to this online conference that was amazing called Graphic Medicine. Uh uh-huh. And that conference is basically about comics as they relate to health and medical stuff. Yeah. And the people were so nice. This conference was, for an online conference, was so well run. And the comics I saw were so interesting because, you know, people who... Uh, whether you work in the healthcare system or you're a patient or whatever, people have a lot to express and comics are a good way to do that because unlike a movie, movies are great, but it takes like, you know, a lot of people to make a movie and a lot of money. Comics, they take time to make, but beyond that, you know, one person can make a comic Mm -hmm.
0: and,
1: um, so, so anyway, that, that just kind of, and I got some positive feedback on the comic and stuff like that. So that was great. And then, um, now I'm back to kind of more normal life and I'm much busier than I was. Um, and so I, you know, so the comic is on a little bit of a pause probably till this summer when I'll have more time. Mm. And I mean, if I really did my whole kind of experience with this from, you know, um, my early stomach troubles to like seeing the doctor to like basically maybe a month ago or something, Mm you know, it could easily be 150, 200 pages,
0: Mm.
1: which, you know, would take a, a while, will take a while to do. So,
0: Johnny, are you cancer free now?
1: well, you don't know, right? They scan me, they take blood tests and they say, we cannot detect anything, but that does not mean, uh, that means it's more likely than not that I am. But basically what they told me is, you know, if after three years, it doesn't come back, you're in pretty good shape. And at, at five years, we consider, you know, that's it. You're You're just like everybody else. There's no reason to think you're going to have cancer any more than anyone else. So I'm going to have my first like follow-up like scans and stuff sometime in April. So, uh, you know, I'm keeping my fingers crossed and, um, you know, the odds are in my favor, but there's a significant possibility that it could come back. And if it comes back, we'll just have to deal with it but it, so, you know, it can spread to other parts of my body. If it's in my lymphatics, you know, it's just, uh, it's a little bit scary, but uh, I really don't, I'm not at the moment. I'm, my life is very busy and full and I'm don't really, there's no point in really dwelling on it. And I'm, I'm not much, you know, so that's my situation. I'm having a really, wonderful time in life right now in a lot of ways, because A, I'm just appreciate things so much more now. And I love just like being with my family and this was very hard on my wife and my child and everything. And, um, uh, and they really did right by me and really, you know, hung with me. And a lot of other people too, just in my neighborhood. It was a very community-oriented neighborhood in Jackson Heights, Queens. And you know, I have some relatives around. And uh, my uncle paid for a cleaning lady for us, which was awesome. Because, the greatest. <laughs> because I wasn't able to do much for several months, right? Yeah, and it was all on my wife who works and blah blah blah. So that was great. So a, I'm appreciating people and just life a lot. And you know, I'm able to eat stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> all my way back. And, um, and uh, I'm also doing something career wise that I'm really psyched about. I decided to switch. I was doing something kind of a illustration commercial art thing, which I don't know if we want to get into that, but basically about right before COVID hit and and this um, healthcare stuff started happening about half a year before I decided I want to switch gears and get certified to be an art teacher in New York state. Cause I love teaching. I've done a lot of art teaching, but I've never been certified as an art teacher. So I've been doing that. And then the, I'm in the final, that was interrupted by this whole cancer thing. And then, um, I, was able to resume. And now I'm in my last bit, which is finishing my student teaching. And I'm teaching art in a high school with a, with another you know experienced art teacher who's sort of mentoring me. And it's really fun. It's like mm. the kind of thing where like when you do it, you know, when you do something, you're like, this doesn't feel quite right. But this keeps feeling like writer and writer. Like the more I do, the more... <laughs> I'm like, God, why did I do this like a long time ago? So I'm really enjoying it. And, um, you know, uh, I'm not thinking a huge amount about my health. Um, so that's my current situation, but boy, was it scary. And it gave me a lot of, you know, when you're going to Memorial Sloan Kettering or you're in a hospital, you're just seeing people in really rough shape and, for much of it, I was in really rough. I was one of those people being like wheeled around in like a bed with wheels from room to room being scanned and probed. <laughs> it's great people watching, I've got to say. You're just, you're just in the hallways on one of these beds watching other people being wheeled around. Yeah. So doing, doing the comic really helped me process my experience and gave me some, one of the worst things about being in a major healthcare scare is you feel out of control. And when you make a work of art out of something, you are in control. You can choose what to show, what not to show, um, you know, what to call people. You know, I changed everyone's names and stuff. So um, it was very therapeutic for me to work on it. What's the name of the comic? Oh, it's called American Colon. That's a little bit of a riff on this amazing series of comics by this... um, Groundbreaking cartoonist who who died of cancer actually, who's lived in Cleveland named Harvey Pekar, and they made a movie American Splendor about his life, mm. and you know he did these great kind of reality based comics like about his personal experiences, and because he was an interesting person, he thought interesting thoughts and noticed interesting things. They're good comics, so it was a little bit of that, and it just sounded you know good to me so the
0: podcast is called movement the science of the self the Mm -hmm. obvious connection is bowel movements but (laughs) what would you say would be your parting words for our listeners when it comes to movement when it comes to your physical body and your relationship one one
1: thing that really came up i was talking to my oncologist when i still had this tube in me and i had this bulb it was draining into that was like safety pinned to like inside of my pants or the outside of my pants and like he was like so what's your physical routine like and I'm like I'm taking it very easy I just want to heal up I don't want to mess anything up and he's like you should be walking three miles a day and I was like wow hmm. well, okay so I started doing it and I walk more now every day just in my like a New Yorker does you know you just walking to the subway and to the from the subway and blah, blah, blah. But I'm, but before when I wasn't like back to work, I was just making a priority to go and do that. And it's just, for me, that's critical. Like, I particularly like walking actually, because I like to be outside. I like to, you know, I like physical stimuli that, that you get from being outside. Um, and the pace of it is pretty good for me. I can walk fast. I can walk slower. Uh, I, I used to run some and it was, I really enjoyed running, but New York City, again, like you're running on hard surfaces, at least in my neighborhood and my knees weren't feeling so great. So I dialed that back. Um, so, I mean, everybody's different. You have to find what you like. But whatever it is, you'll feel happier if you do it. I was really inspired by that first guest you had on the podcast who's like, when I have a lousy day, I go into a room and I blast loud tech techno music and like just dance my rear end off for 20 minutes and I feel better, you know. So I think yeah. it's a really good idea for, you know, in like, basically doctors recommend you walk 10,000 steps a day. hmm it's your average typical adult, right? The average American walks like, I don't know, 4,000 steps a day. The average yeah. Australian walks like 9,000 steps a day or something. I'm sort of pulling these out of the air. They might be off by a 1,000 or something, but that's the idea. And it's really uh, good for you to move around and do stuff. So, um, and I did some work with you, like, you know, this is years ago, but it was very helpful for me, it just um, it got I think more than anything, it just got me back into being more aware of my body and that I enjoyed being in my body and doing stuff and um so that was good for me. Uh, so you know what everyone's in a different situation. Some people are can't get up, yeah, They're stuck in bed and so while you can move around <laughs> do it because otherwise <laughs> it's gonna be you stuck in bed eventually well, or if you are stuck
0: in bed you like my mom all, you can do stuff there is stuff you can do there's yeah. breathing there's meditation yeah that, you know stuff as you long with your as your arms we're in our bodies like, that's right that's our right. hearts are beating that's right. our blood is pumping that's right so it's connecting and establishing that
1: nothing got me more aware of my physical self than having these medical things right yeah just a bunch of uh you know we're we are very physical beings
0: (laughs) we have a bunch of
1: uh, tubes in us and cells we're very physical beings so so you know to quote Olivia Newton-John let's get physical (laughs)
0: Hey, thank you for tuning into the show and listening. If you're interested in understanding how your body moves, Pongo Power offers a complimentary fitness assessment and goal setting session. This 55 minute appointment is completely free and you can do it through the magic of Zoom in the comfort of your own home. Just book online by heading over to freefitnessassessment.pongopower.com. I've been a personal trainer for 20 years, and I've helped hundreds of humans to gain true physical and mental strength. You can learn more about our team of personal trainers on our website, pongopower.com. When we learn how to exercise safely and effectively, we experience true freedom. On Movement, the Science of the Self, we provide you with the inspiration you need To move your body as you cultivate your own sense of identity. In joining the conversation about how we identify ourselves, Pongo Power is committed to the empowerment of each individual's right to choose. Now go out there and get some movement.